Hi, everybody. Welcome to week six of the Lay the Points College Baseball Podcast. I'm Penn State coach James Franklin, and I'm laser-focused on this week's game against Illinois in the Big House. We'll be taking our 1-0 mentality into Des Moines to take on the Salukis. Now I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, Dave and Brian, live from New Mexico. Fellas, how's it going? (laughs) For those who are new to the show, everything I just said was wrong. Here's Dan and Ryan, for real. Pretty good. Albuquerque's great. (laughs) <laughs> what'd you think of last week's slate of college football games who'd like to start this one uh it was a pretty weak slate of games um nice to see the pittsburgh panthers take care of business over clemson um oklahoma struggled with kansas ohio state blew out indiana I don't know what else really happened. Um, everything else was pretty much uh, to script, and it was an early week. All the games ended early, so kind of a kind of a weird, quiet week in college football. Um, looking forward to this week with a lot better action. That's right. Nothing else happened. Nothing at all. Penn State had a bye week, and uh, nothing <laughs> happened. Brett Ryan, what do you think? Uh. Besides the Penn State, I guess uh, Gundy got the loss that uh, that we were all kind of waiting for, and uh, Coastal Carolina got a loss on a on a weekday that was pretty surprising, but shouldn't be because App State's pretty good. So that was uh, you know a couple of ranked teams went down, but nothing crazy. Lane Train is back. Yeah, my uh, my thought that Oklahoma was a title contender may have been a bit premature. Caleb Williams struggled for uh, a little bit, and then he turned it on at the end, but not a great performance against Kansas. So I'm I'm back on the Georgia's the only good team train, and uh, I guess that's my only real takeaway from that, except for you know fade Penn State the rest of the season, and I'm sure we'll talk about Mr. Franklin in a little bit. Accurate. Uh, All right, Dan, before we get into the lines, we teased something last week and I want to start right off with America's favorite new segment, coaching restaurant. Now we pick a coach who we think may be on their way out or in trouble or may need a backup career. And we, you know, it's a natural segue from managing a football team to managing a restaurant. You know, there's a lot of going on, a lot of people, you have to be in charge. We had teased that we were going to do Manny Diaz coaches restaurant. And you were going to say which restaurant you thought Manny Diaz would um, manage when he got fired from coaching and was unemployable. But Manny Diaz threw a little monkey wrench in our plans and actually won his game last week. So uh, I'm going to ask you to do the Manny Diaz coaches restaurant, but do you have any thoughts about the win and does this change anything? No, it changes nothing. NC state is not uh, a powerhouse team, a little bit overrated, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, he's still, uh, an awful head coach. Miami can do a lot better. This is the U this isn't a uh, wake forest, which he's playing more like. So, um, it doesn't change anything for me and I'm ready to roast him. All right. So, uh, when he loses his job and his only career path is to be a restaurant manager, which restaurant will Manny Diaz manage? 
all time. This is a tough decision. Um, but I decided that he would be a really good assistant manager at Pizza Hut. Now, the reason for this is that Pizza Hut and Manny Diaz have made terrible decisions over the last 10 plus years. Manny Diaz had a choice between going to politics or becoming the Miami head coach. Clearly, politics was the right route. Uh, he made the wrong decision. Pizza Hut's also made a wrong decision in getting rid of their all-you-can-eat lunch buffet. Very similar. So. He knows how to make a bad decision. Pizza Hut made a bad decision. And also, all the Miami people are all, you know, they all have their heads in the past. They're all living in the glory days, just like Pizza Hut is now. You turn on the TV, you see a Pizza Hut commercial. It's Craig Robinson doing some kind of throwback 1970s commercial. Same thing. Living in the past, making bad decisions, Manny Diaz and Pizza Hut. Um, there's been uh, almost no innovation and change with the Miami program, much like Pizza Hut, little innovation and change, same old pan pizza, same everything for the same year, same colors. The, the only change was getting rid of, of the lunch buffet, which was a terrible move. So I feel like he'd slide in really well at Pizza Hut. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. So what you're saying is that it is in fact possible to out pizza the hut. <laughs> Good reference and true. Um, I, I'm curious why you made him an assistant manager at Pizza Hut. I don't think he can handle the head GM duties of Pizza Hut. So I felt like the assistant role would be a lot better off for him. You know, he's just in charge of making sure the pizzas go into the box. He can't handle schedule making and health inspections and ordering food. He's just good to be there to kind of be in charge to like, make sure that the 17 year old kids are putting like the wrong toppings on pizza. That's more his route, not making any real main, you know, choices or decisions. Speaking of someone who can't manage simple decisions, uh, we'll tease it at the end of the show, but I've got a great coach's restaurant. You're going to really like for next week. So, um, great. Can't wait. Ryan, do you want to say anything about coaching or uh, anything else before we get into the lines? Or are we waiting for a surprise this week? Not yet, Tom. Not yet. All right. That's, that's a professional tease, folks. All right. Dan Partridge, let's do some lines. All right, Tom. We're going to go right to the weekend to a, a very important game in the Big Ten. Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan, road favorite, four points, total 50 and a half. Go ahead, Tom. Kick it off at your conference. Yeah, this is so hard because um, Michigan is good and Michigan State is not. However, two things favor Michigan State, you know, one being the rivalry game and the other them being at home. And this will be, I guess, a third thing will be that this is really like the hardest and first, I would say, real test of Michigan, unless you count Nebraska, but I don't. So... I think I think Michigan could potentially struggle early on. I do like them to get the W. Um, I feel like four points is right on, but if I have to pick a side, I'm going to go with Michigan. Their offense is starting to turn it on a little bit. Their defense is really stout. They are what we thought Penn State was early in the season, like a really good defense and uh, a team that wins games ugly. So... Um, I think they're the clear number two team right now in the Big Ten. And 
I'm just going to go with them. I don't believe in Michigan State. I feel like Michigan State is in the territory of Oklahoma State where it's been a nice season, but, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the loss to happen. So that's my that's my short All right, Tom, that's a, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think Michigan has played absolutely nobody. And I'm just going to run through who they've played so far. Western Michigan – Washington, Washington's absolutely terrible. They were losing uh, 13-0 at half to Arizona last week, if anyone missed that. Uh, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern. They beat Northwestern 33-7. Michigan State beat Northwestern 38-7. I think these teams are exactly even. Therefore, give me Michigan State plus four at home. Um, I think there's a coin flip that they win this game. Plus I'll take the four points. Uh, the totals uh, 50 and a half also like the under on that as well. Don't see 25 points scored by each team. This even maybe allows for one team to score like 27 or 28 and the other like 21, which isn't going to happen. So I'll take Michigan state and the under, and I'm going to call for a Michigan state 23 to 20 win. I, I can't really Ryan. argue that. Yeah, Ryan, go the, ahead. The, it was a shocking, a shocking over-under to me. How that number has a five in front of it is, is shocking to me. That you, I can't bet that fast enough. There you go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. For sure. I think the best case right. for high-scoring game would be like 27-24, which puts you like one point over, and that's the best case. I know, you're right. No, there's no chance anyone scores 30 in this game, right? Like neither team's getting the 30. So let's just bet an under. Yeah. yeah all right. Hard to see that happening. Who cares who wins or covers? Just bet the under and don't pay attention. It's the early kickoff. There might only be like 10 points scored in the first half. I think that's best case scenario. All right, Tom, moving on. 9 a.m. Miami travels the pit where the six and one pit, pit Panthers are laying nine points with a total of 61. Uh, Pitt obviously coming off their nice win over Clemson. Um, they do have a couple injuries. Their best wide receiver is in the concussion protocol, so don't know uh, Addison's status. Um, Miami coming off a spirited win over NC State. Look, uh, I'll start this one. Uh, obviously, taking Miami's out of the question, but something about this game scares the hell out of me. It, it's a letdown spot for Pitt after playing Clemson. Narduzzi's been known to fuck up one game every year out of the blue. Wouldn't be surprised if this is the one. I'm staying away. I want no part of this game. Just win Pitt and move on. But that's me. Tom, what do you think? How can you go against our man, Kenny Pickett? How can you go against him? No, you know what? Uh, Miami looked okay last week, and Miami's got a new starting quarterback from uh, my hometown of Glastonbury, Connecticut. So it's really, this is like a, you know, civil war thing, like brother fighting brother for me. I got a guy from my hometown and then my son's favorite team, the Pitt Panthers. So it's tough, um, but I'll stick with my Pitt Wake Forest, you know, riding those two teams all the way to the ACC championship. And I just want to say to all of the people in the media on ESPN, to Mel Kuyper, who just put Kenny Pickett as his number one quarterback, where were all of you 
six weeks ago. There was only one show that was telling you that Kenny Pickett's the best quarterback in America. To all you, I've got to say something. Kenny Pickett, baby. Heisman, number one. He's the best quarterback in America. Yeah, that's right. It's nice to see all you Johnny come lately is getting on the picket train, but you're, you're too late. Dan, Ryan, and I were on there from week one, and we've closed the door to all you newcomers. So get lost. Find yourself a new quarterback to, to love. Kenny Pickett, 23 touchdowns, one interception on the year. I mean, what the hell is going on around here? He's great. He's the number one uh, guys, quarterback in so, America. That was so nice of you that you both said good things about Manny Diaz and then his win last week. Let's do the opposite and trash him a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, folks. Tarmac time. I love it. This oh, show is this show's yeah. coming in hot. Everybody's coming in hot for this show. Look. I can't let two people in a row say nice things about Manny Diaz without coming in here and laying some truth on everyone. All right, folks, it's time for the tarmac. We'll keep it quick this week. Coaches are already dropping like flies. We can barely keep up with it. Texas Tech made a change. Georgia Southern made a change. All sorts of nonsense going on. Here's who needs to make a change. Miami needs to make a change. You got your win. You have a big celebration, the 20th anniversary of the national title. All the guys were there. They were in their Sean Taylor shirts. You got your one-point win. Good for you. You're Miami at home, and you beat <laughs> eight by one. Good work. Okay, speaking of Florida, get this, guys. Last week, the best team in the state, Florida Gators, they were on a bye. However, did you know that Miami won, Florida State won, Central Florida won, South Florida won, Florida Atlantic won? How about Butch Davis? How did Butch Davis do, guys? Not so great. But not so great, Butch. You were the only team in the state of Florida to lose last week. Way to ruin it. You guys almost had a good week in that godforsaken hellhole. But you ruined it. You're ruining football. Just fire him soon, please. Ruining all football. That's right. I would have said you're ruining the name Butch. But there's another one who's doing an even worse job. At number three, we get Butch Jones. Oh, this Who? must Butch burn Jones? his ass. Seeing seeing the Vols become semi-competent, getting on the right track. This is must this is burn him so bad as he's just awful at Arkansas State, ruining his chance at a GoDaddy Bowl. Just brutal. Speaking of GoDaddy Bowls. Scott Frost, oh boy, that's where you're headed right now, man. The Go Daddy Bowl, but not to coach, to hand in resumes to try to work at Go Daddy. You know why? It's in sunny Arizona. It's a great place to live. Come on in, Scott. 
you're pasty as hell. Get some sun, play some golf. You can show off your arm, play some disc golf too. Stay away from footballs. You're useless. Coming in at number one, we have a new number one. David Cutcliffe, you're just, you're, you gotta go. It's just, it's time. Not going to say lots of bad things, but here's what I'm going to say. Coach K's already announced this is his last season at Duke. If you want a chance, Duke Athletics, of getting football back on, like, on track and up in the the top of the ACC, which is really weak right now. Now's the chance. Coach K is leaving. Make the big splash. Duke basketball might take a step back with him gone. Here's your chance to steal some fans, get the fan base into football. Your football stadium's like, I don't know, 30 times bigger than Cameron Indoor. You make way more money on football if you're good. Basketball will always have fans. It's like a stadium so tiny, it will always sell out. You need football. This is the time. Make a change. So there it is, folks. However, I do want to make one more mention real quick. Tim Albin at Ohio University. I need to look into this a little bit deeper before he gets on the list, but I want to put him on warning. So this summer, Frank Solich steps down after 11 straight non-losing seasons. 11 straight non-losing. We know how the Mac is. You go from first to worst every two to three years. That's a really impressive feat at Ohio University. He quits in the summer. No interviews. They just give it to like his successor. This guy that's been with him since like the Nebraska days, like working his way up. And they're one in seven. So like, did Solich set him up to fail? Did he look at the team in in camp and like spring ball and be like, oh, we're terrible. I got to get the hell out of here and just leave this guy with a pile of trash. Or is this guy actually like really, really terrible at coaching? And Solich left him with a whole bunch of good players and he just ruined it. So we need to dig into this, take the points. We need to do an investigative report, but I want to get to the bottom of what's going on here. Did Solich sandbag his, his uh, protege, or does this guy suck at coaching? To be determined, folks. Thank you for that. Congratulations on another great tarmac. I love that you've become a combination of like a CSI investigator mixed with like <laughs> Kojak style threatening remarks. Um. I will await your your deep investigation into Ohio University, but if Solich did basically like pull a dune and set him up to fail, that would be hilarious. So no spoilers. I'm watching it this weekend. You, you can't really spoil it. No, it's great. That's my spoiler. Pretty good. Enjoy. I'm sorry. Right. Um. Okay. I, well, oh, you know what I want to say before we move on? Tennessee. Tennessee. Um. They found the key to improving the program, which is stop hiring literally the worst coach in America every year. 
and they've hired a guy who's decent and miraculously they're already like the second best team in the East third best, but you know, they're right up there. They're, they're already like, obviously they're not back in terms of what Tennessee fans expect of that program, you know, the T Martin days, et cetera, but it's a noticeable improvement even over last year, let alone a few years ago when they were really down and all they did, they've got the same guys. They brought in Hendon hooker, a guy who was a above average quarterback at Virginia tech, but by no means like a superstar. And they got rid of Butch Dooley Pruitt, all those guys. I mean, they literally, it reflects very poorly on the other coaches. We always knew they sucked. They were on the tarmac every week, but like, I don't think we realized the extent to which it was just bad management, so to speak, at Tennessee. It's a whole whole different team now, and I feel good for our friend George and all the other Tennessee fans. Uh, Tom, while we're on the topic of Miami and Pitt, I feel like we need to do the Council of Elders segment uh, just because it's Pitt. We're still talking about Pitt. Yeah, I'm trying to space these uh, beloved segments out, but I guess let's do it. So uh, we created this segment a few weeks ago called the Council of Elders. I think we started in Miami, you know, a team that needs help and a a city that can help them. You know, all these cities have lots of uh, famous people, famous athletes, uh, wise elders that could come together as like a, you know, a godfather style five families and help the program rebound. And so we did Miami, we did Texas. Um, but this week we're picking a team in a city that doesn't really need to rebound because they're doing great. But uh, the city is Pittsburgh. And uh, we just want to honor Mr. Dan Partridge and his hometown of Pittsburgh. I'm going to turn it over to him for the Pittsburgh Council of Elders. Dan, who, do you, who have you got at your table? This was a hard, uh, this is very, very hard uh, choice I had to make on a couple people, but I I narrowed down to five people because that's the, the, you know, amount that goes in the council of elders. Uh, Here we go. Number five, we have a tie between Dan Marino and Jim Kelly. They're both going to be co number five chairman, both legendary quarterbacks, both uh, hilarious uh, in their own right and should be on the council. All right, number four, we're going Michael Keaton, um, goofy actor turned star of Batman. Somehow he was outstanding as Batman um, and probably still my favorite one. Probably, I, I think you guys would probably agree, he is the best Batman to date. All uh, right, number three, we're going to go Wiz Khalifa. Very important to have him in here. He might be high during the meetings, but... We're all okay with that. Um, next, we have Kurt Angle at number four. We need someone with uh, Olympic and wrestling experience. Um, you know, uh, I feel like he is also funny for a lot of reasons. And the number one last person to make the list is Bino Cook. Even though he has passed away, Thank the you. ghost Thank of Bino Cook is going to be the fifth member of the Council of Elders. He may still rank Notre Dame number one in every meeting, but we need him uh, available for all comments and questions. So that's your Pittsburgh Council of Elders. First off, I was going to bring up Bino as an honorable mention if you didn't bring him up. So, but I should know better. 
Um, so yeah, that is really good. And by the way, Pittsburgh, you're leaving a lot of, uh, very successful people off, you know, uh, Christina Aguilera, no, uh, Ariana Grande, etc. Many, many other current celebs, but Bino has got to be on there. Has to be. Number one. Uh- of course, without a doubt. And he was the Heisman whisperer. So, you know, he could guide Kenny Pickett to this year's Heisman. Very true. All right. I think we've uh, got off topic enough. Time to reel it back in and get back to some lines. Uh, this is a game I would like to call the lock of the week. Rutgers at Illinois. Now, you may say, how is this the lock of the week with one and a half points? Rutgers a one-and-a-half-point favorite. There is no doubt in my mind Rutgers wins this game and covers the spread. Illinois just beat Penn State. That is beyond the Super Bowl for them. They will not show up at home against Rutgers. Shiano is going to show up with all the wood. He's going to chop it all, and Rutgers is going to win a sloppy game. I'll bet my entire life savings on this one. This is like my favorite pick of the whole year. You only got to lay a point and a half, and you you know Illinois is going to fuck this up. You just know it. If you know anything about Illinois, you know they're going to fuck this up. So uh, I don't think we need to even talk about this game anymore. I just want to bring that up. Bet Rutgers, it's coming in. I'll, I'll add something to that. Uh, in one of the nine overtimes against Penn State, well, in two of the nine overtimes, um, Illinois lost both their starting running back and their starting quarterback. So you know, check the reports. I, I don't care enough about Illinois football to follow up, but at least watching the Penn state game, both of those look like uh, serious injuries. Like those guys will not be back. So uh, you won't get the uh, art Sikowski from Illinois playing against his former team Rutgers. That would have made it so interesting. Instead. I, th- I think you're going to get Brandon Peters, the Michigan transfer. Illinois is going to lose this game. I'm, I'm so I mean, sure you would have picked it anyway, but I'm, I'm saying most likely they'll be without their starting running back and quarterback. Fantastic. All right. Moving on to a more entertaining game. We're going to the world's largest cocktail party, Georgia, Florida in Jacksonville, Georgia minus 14 total 51. Ryan, why don't you start this one off? Well, as I said earlier, Florida was co- is coming off a bye week, so that makes this a little bit more interesting. I don't think it changes the fact that Georgia is the best team in the country. This is a neutral game, and unless Mullen spent the entire bye week basically saying that AR-15 is going to be playing all the snaps and Emory Jones is no longer – involved in the offense at all. I don't see any way Florida keeps this close. So if AR 15 plays the whole game, maybe they can keep it close and backdoor cover. But outside of a backdoor, I don't see anything. Any way Florida wins this game. They, um, they asked Mullen about that just uh, a few hours ago before we were recording and, he was very cagey about it. He wouldn't answer. I think his answer was like, we'll, ha- we'll play a quarterback or something like that. 
That sounds about right. Uh, this is a, a weird game. Um, obviously, giving Florida 14 points is, is always uh, a little bit tricky. Um, the over-under for this game is 51. In years past, I've, I've always taken the under in this game, and it feels like the first half flies over, and then no points are scored in the second half. So I'm going to do a little something new this year. So I'm not going to bet the game, and then I'm going to do a live bet towards the end of the first half on the game under. I, I just, I've, I'm, I'm not joking. I've seen this year after year in this game where there's like no points scored in the second half, but always in the first, it comes out hot. So I think 14 is exactly right for a spread. Um, Florida's, you know, overrated. They're, they're only four and three, you know, that, that's not a good record. And Georgia, they're, they're, they're a fucking machine. Um, and people are waiting for them to slip up and have a, Georgia type game where it's sloppy, but um, I'm going to wait and live bet this game. I know that's a weird answer, but I think that's my best play. So I'm trying to All look right. up who your quarterback's going to be, and it looks, you know, it's unclear. Like JT Daniels has been practicing and might actually be cleared to play and might play in this game. So I kind of wonder whether that will hurt them in this specific game to have Stetson Bennett playing pretty well, managing that offense, they're rolling. And then to bring Daniels back, who I think we all agree has the higher upside of the two, but the, the consistent switching, I mean, this would be what, like the third time they've switched this year. So I feel like that's a potential thing that could hurt them, especially in the first half. I don't see, I hate 14 and a half point lines. It's my least favorite number, but I just don't see how you go against Georgia. And uh, it seems to be the year of Georgia. You got the Braves in the World Series. You got Georgia, the clear number one. It's This could be the year of Georgia. The Hawks, are, the Hawks are really good. Yeah. Yeah, and what would be funny um, or would be really amazing, I was just thinking of, Georgia, you know, the Braves – and the Bulldogs notoriously, you know, have been in long droughts, haven't been able to win at all. I mean, the Braves won one time in the nineties, right. And then, uh, it's been what, 25 years. And then Georgia football, obviously famously hasn't won it since 1980. It would be amazing. Not only amazing if they both won it all this year, but the Braves now would have to win the world series without their best pitcher. And Georgia potentially wins a national championship with a backup quarterback. So both teams could win it all without their best player after extremely long droughts. I think that would be uh, fairly remarkable. Agreed. But it's the Braves, so let's not jump to conclusions. Also true. Houston's a bunch of cheating assholes too, so careful for them. So my my pick is that um, I – I don't love the line, but you can't go against Georgia at this point. Georgia is placed under Alabama rule for the rest of the season that you either bet on them or don't bet. Also true. All right, Tom, let's move on. Florida state travels to Clemson, Clemson, nine and a half point favorite total 47 Clemson. Oh, for seven against the spread this year. Um, that was a nice little tweet you sent out, Ryan, with some good information on it. This is going to be 0 for 8. Florida State, outright, over Clemson this week. Both teams go to 4 and 4. 
upset pick of the week. That's all I got. Tom. Yeah. So uh, uh, I love this bet. I love it. I love it. And here's why. In addition to what you said, I think Florida state's probably better than Clemson at this point. Um, this was brought to my attention after the Syracuse game. You know, we saw that line. It was Clemson minus 14, I think. And we just laughed and we're like, they're not covering a 14 point line against Syracuse. I find out after that game that Clemson is averaging like 15 points a season, like 15 points a game this season. And uh, I, I don't know what they've scored the last couple of weeks, but I'm pretty sure against Pitt, they scored what, 17? So I'm pretty sure their average offense for the year is like 16 points a game. And now they're supposed to win by 10 against a rival. It just seems way off to me. This line seems way off. There's a, there's a few games that I really like this week and this is one of them. Ryan, you got anything for this? No, not really. I think it's, uh, you guys are right on leaning Florida state. Probably I probably would be a, a little bit of a wimp and just take the points and not go money line. That's also a good play. You really can't, you, you're, you know, can't, you can't argue with that. All right. Uh, let's see here. Syracuse, Boston college, Boston college travels to Syracuse, Syracuse four and four on the year. Syracuse minus six and a half total 50. Uh, Garrett Schrader had his foot in a walking boot. Other Syracuse breaking news that Tommy DeVito has entered the transfer portal. Can't wait to see where he ends up next year so we can have a great laugh about that. Um, Ryan, start this one. Well, first of all, DeVito's going to be chopping wood. We, we, that's, that's a lock. Should have been there from the start. He's a Jersey kid. It just makes sense. Go back home, chop some wood. Rutgers has had an awful quarterbacks for years. He would fall right in line with them. Uh, as far as the, this line goes, this is really kind of surprising that Syracuse is favored by this much. Six and a half seems like a lot uh, against really any good team or real competent team. So I'll probably stay away from this, but, um, you know, if I had to pick a side, I'd probably lean Syracuse, but that seems like a lot of points. It does seem like a lot of points. Um, keep in mind that Boston college, uh, has a terrible offense. Uh, I'm going to go under 50 in this game. That's going to be my pick Z. No pass pass smart move. All right, we're going to scroll through the board here a little bit. Keep going. Okay, we're going to later in the day. Ole Miss at Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, um, is six and one at five and two. Auburn, Auburn coming off the bye. Auburn lane three, total 66. Ryan, you want to start this? Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, this is a pretty interesting game. I mean, they're basically saying that uh, that these teams are even and that Auburn's getting the three for the home field. I don't think these teams are even. I think Ole Miss is better. I think that Ole Miss, you know, as good as Auburn's defense can play, they're not an elite defense. They're not Georgia's defense. So they're going to have to score points to keep up. And – you know, if you're telling me it's a it's a, going to be a shootout between Matt Corral and Bo Nix, 
give me Matt Corral all day. So for me, I'm going to take Ole Miss outright. I don't even need a three. Tom, what do you think? You know, I've really struggled with this one. I think this is a very good game. I'm really interested to watch this one. And there, it's really a game of contrasting styles. Auburn's a really run-first, more old-fashioned pro-style team. I mean, nobody's really a pro-style team, but they're as close as you get. And Mississippi, I mean, we know what Ole Miss does. So I don't know. I'd be very worried about this. Whenever there's a game with such contrasting styles, I feel like there's potential for a blowout to go either way. So, you know, there's potential where Auburn can just be physical and control the time of possession and um, just like never give Corral the ball. And, you know, things could get ugly that way. There's also potential that, you know, Mississippi could score so much so quickly that Auburn's out of the game by mid second quarter. So I'm going to sit back and uh, relax and watch this one. And I have no pick. I'm going to take uh, under 66 in this game. I think that's a lot of points for Auburn. Um, that being said, watch it be 52-49, but I'm still going to take the under and close my eyes. All uh, right. We're going to keep going on here. We got a bunch of mediocre games, but nothing nothing too crazy. Okay, here's one because we got to talk about what the hell happened last week. Boise State minus two and a half at Colorado State. Okay. First of all, Boise State and Colorado State are both three and four. Three and four is unacceptable for Boise State. Uh, but I'm going to go go ahead and lay the two and a half points here. Now, who gives a shit about this game? Can we talk about what the fuck happened last week with Steve Adazio? Yes, All right. Please. So for those who didn't see this complete carnage, uh, their team was losing by two points. They're driving down the field. They make a first down with 13 seconds to go. And to the line and having plenty of time they emergency run on the field goal team like as fast as they possibly can they snap it at one second their kicker who's actually really good is completely rushed shanks the field goal and they lose um how does this happen in college football you have like a hundred coaches there's a hundred players on the team and it's just a total fail. It just shows you how poor of a head coach he is. Um, that being said, I'll take Boise minus two and a half. It's under a field goal. All they got to do is really win the game. It's Adazio. What do you got? Do you guys have any thoughts on Adazio, this game, or any of that? That was pretty pathetic. Uh, the clock management, probably worse than, uh, than what I saw in the Syracuse game. Did you guys happen to catch that end of first half by Dino? No. Syracuse had the ball first and goal at the one with 19 seconds left and three timeouts, and they ran out of time. <laughs> awesome. No. Great job. Oh, Dino. yeah. Dino had to use back-to-back timeouts. He had to burn his second and third back-to-back between, like, the, uh, between like the, the, before the third down play because he called the timeout. They set up the play. They go on the field, and they only had nine players on the field. So we had to call another timeout so we could actually get 11 players on the field to run this play for third and goal. So there's a lot of bad clock management, a lot of guys that obviously never played video games. 
who was the coach last week or two weeks ago that um, called a timeout after a touchdown? Oh, the, uh, in between the touchdown and the extra point. Yeah. Oh, okay, that was. Yeah, I can't remember. It's just it. It doesn't matter. It's been a banner couple weeks, is all I'm saying. Um, I've I have some coaching thoughts. One for each of you. We'll start with you, Ryan. Since we're talking about Auburn, Herm Edwards. It was Herm Edwards against Utah in the second half. Oh, when they gave up 28 in a row. Of course, Herm wanted to rally the troops and wanted to call like an NBA timeout where he actually huddled up everybody, which was ineffective. Poor Herm. Herm mm. will be on the coach's restaurant coming up. Don't you worry. But Dan, I, I guess we'll start with you. Your uh, surprise slash treat is that we're going to the top of Mount Everest next week. The coach's restaurant will be Steve Adazio. Oh. Get ready. I'm calling out of work the next three days just to get ready. <laughs> now this, of course, this exists in a fantasy world where Steve Adazio is qualified to manage a restaurant. Huh. I can't wait. I'm I'm actually going to put in some work. It's going to be like a four minute breakdown. You can invent, you can invent a new restaurant if you want. You can do like a, like a guy's version of Hooters (sighs) called dudes or something. I'll figure this out. Okay. But that's, that's our tease for next week. Does the, does the repairman of a vending machine count as a restaurant manager? (laughs) Yep. It depends on what's in the vending machine. I mean, if it's just like gum and Milky Ways, no. But if you got those big like Texas Cinnabon things, that's a meal right there. I love it. Uh, My next question is for you, Ryan, and this is coaching related because of Auburn and Boise State just coming up back to back. Auburn is about to implement a vaccine mandate. I wonder what's the potential for a Brian Hartson to do a Nick Rolovich situation. Um, whew. I don't know. Sounds, That's, sounds possible. It's on the board. I think it's possible. I mean, let's be honest. Like for him, it's not like Auburn is his, like his, his dream job. It was just a great job that he got offered. So it's not like he'd be walking away from his dream job. So in theory, there'd be other opportunities down the road. But, you know, it depends on how vocal he is like Rolovich. Same thing I said with him. If he just leaves and says, you know, this is my thing and I'll be back and someone will want me and I'm good at this, blah, blah, blah. It's great. But if he walks out and says, like, I'm suing everyone, I got Senator Tuberville on my side. And we're going to go fight this thing all the way to Mar-a-Lago. Then, like, who the hell knows what's going to happen to his career? No clue. I think he's probably going to just go ahead and and get the shot unless he's so scared of Nick Saban that he's like, nah, I'm out. I'd rather, I'd rather walk away from this job than get Shang sung by Saban. It's interesting to think about. I mean, I think, you know, I don't condone it either way, but I think he's in a different spot than Rolovich where he would uh, command some attention and other job offers, even if he did it. Like you said, as long as he doesn't just um, burn every bridge on his way out. But if he did it respectfully, it was like, you know, it's a a personal religious choice or, you know, whatever. I feel like, I don't know. He's in the right part of the country where he'll get some sympathy. 
Rolovich isn't getting sympathy up there. Well, he's, I mean, Washington state's in the middle of nowhere. But what I'm saying is it's very liberal in the Pacific Northwest. He's not going to get a lot of sympathy from anti-mask, anti-vax people. Harson's definitely going to get a lot of sympathy where he is. So he leaves, he'll have a lot of supporters. All right. Um, what else do we have, Dan? I, I have a couple of games we may have skipped that I'll go back to at the end. But Yeah, we got a couple more left. We're going to go to, uh, of course, Penn State against Ohio State next. Um, Ohio State minus 18 and a half, over under 60. Hats off to take the points for all being in agreement last week to take Ohio State and the over. And we said Ohio State would get the over probably by themselves. That's literally what happened. Uh, Indiana is down to their like 37th string quarterback. Indiana is absolutely terrible. Indiana this week, by the way, is playing Maryland and uh, looks like they're going to have no quarterbacks again for this game. That line shot up all the way to Maryland minus five and a half now, but I still feel like that's a, a good bet. Um, all right, Tom, Penn State, can they cover 18 and a half? Well, I mean, they can if you. It depends on how you view last week as an anomaly with a quarterback who had rib injuries and really couldn't move at all. And he says he'll be a hundred percent healthy. He says he'll probably be a hundred percent healthy for Ohio state, which is on the one hand, encouraging that they might have somewhat of a chance. Uh, on the other hand, it's annoying to know that he basically admits like, yeah, I was no good for Illinois. Like I couldn't move. And our backups are so bad that a guy with like broken ribs is still the best choice. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't look great, obviously, but Penn state's got a really good defense and uh, Ohio state again, you know, the one really good team they played, they lost and they've been beating up on, you know, lesser opponents. So how good are they really? I mean, they look really damn good by the eye test, but um, you, you just don't know. I would be, uh, I'm afraid this is going to be an absolute blowout. And uh, James Franklin doesn't seem completely focused on it, you know, calling it the big house and talking about Illinois and all that stuff, all the stuff we joked about at the top of the show. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get my hopes up or, you know, I'm not going to get emotionally invested in this game as a Penn state fan, but I do think there is a way they keep it close. If Sean Clifford is back playing well, mobile playing how he was, you know, two and a half weeks ago, then I think 19 covering 19 is very reasonable, but um, Penn state has no run game. Their offensive line has sucked the last few weeks. I mean, they've looked awful. Ohio state is vulnerable because they're, you know, their defense is vulnerable this year and Clifford and, you know, John Dotson and some of those guys could exploit them, but without a run game with Clifford, probably going to be hobbled around a little bit uh, and Ohio state in full, like FU mode. I don't see how, I, I don't know. I don't like it at all. What do you think guys? Um, I kind of like Penn State plus the points, to be honest with you. I feel like Clifford will be a little bit more healthy than he was last week. I think Penn State's defense is really good. Ohio State's weird. I mean, I just can't get that Oregon game out of my head where their defense looked so bad. So any sort of 
you know, capable offense whatsoever should be able to put up points on them. Um, I know they got a great offense. Um, I'm leaning Penn State. I don't know if I have the heart to pull the trigger and bet Penn State. Um, I think I just might take a flyer on the over. Um, I think 60 is still a little low. I think Penn State might be able to score 24 points in this game. Ohio State might score 38 or 45. So I'm going to take the over and uh, probably stay away from the rest. To best best of luck to you. Thank you. I don't I don't like that at all. <laughs> Penn State. Ryan. I mean, I, I can't express how bad Penn State's run game has been the last this whole season, basically, in except against Indiana. Ryan. Forty-one seventeen Ohio State. That's also trouble. It might be accurate. It might be a slate under two. You're right. <laughs> this is a weird it's game tricky. where I can see both sides of it, but my, you know, my gut instinct tells me that Ryan's probably closer. Uh, all right. Um, just a quick couple other ones I want to hit on real quick. Uh, Louisville at NC State. NC State minus six and a half. NC State lost their defensive captain and um, – they got a great linebacker who's also their defensive captain. And uh, I feel like that's trouble when you play against Malik Cunningham for coming off a loss to Manny Diaz, which isn't good. I'm going to take Louisville in the six and a half. Uh, I feel like they have a good chance of winning this game outright. It seems like uh, a lot of these like fake ranked teams, once they lose a game, they seem to lose a couple in a row. So uh, wouldn't be shocked to see Louisville win and get to five and three and NC state to lose and be at five and three. I think that sounds about right to me. So that's one random pick I have. Tommy, many feeling on that ACC action? Not that one, but I got thoughts on some other games. All right, go right ahead. Fire away. All right. I got three of my favorite picks that we didn't cover, which are not necessarily the best games, but I like the lines. Um, one is um, staying in the ACC. I like Wake Forest minus 17 against Duke. Ryan talked about Duke earlier, but they're really having a really bad season. Meanwhile, uh, Sam Heisman, AKA Sam Hartman throws for seven touchdowns last week. I mean, he's come on big time. Wake Forest has got a great offense and people were wondering whether they could, you know, compete with a option team like army. They put up 70 on them. So that they're, um, collision course with Pitt is pretty much set, I think, in the ACC championship game. So I'm going to roll with them um, to beat Duke and beat them by a lot. Something like, um, you know, 58 to 21. Um, Kentucky, minus one at Mississippi State. I know they're on the road in Starkville, but as we said, Kentucky's really good and they played okay against Georgia. I think it left a weird taste in people's mouth because George is just that good. And that was like really the first time a lot of people had seen Kentucky, but I think they bounce back strong in this game and uh, get the win over Mississippi state. And then um, a game I really like, I actually wrote some notes. That's how much I like it. But um, Kansas plus 30.5 against uh, your Oklahoma state team, Dan, um, Something didn't seem right about this line, so I did a little research. And uh, Oklahoma State, they are averaging 25.7 points per game. Their highest score of the whole season was 32 against Texas. 
Their worst opponents were the first two weeks, Missouri State and Tulsa. They scored 23 and 28 against those two, respectively. So it's not just, you know, it's not just about the level of opponents they've played. Um, I know Kansas is no good. I know that their game against Oklahoma was some, somewhat of an anomaly, and I, I don't think they're a good team. But in order to cover this game, Oklahoma State would have to equal their season high and shut Kansas out completely. And if Kansas scores, you know, 10 or, you know, say 10 or 14 points, then Oklahoma State needs to get to like 45-ish, which would be much, two touchdowns higher than their best game of the season. Um, I don't think they have the offense to do it. You know, I think Oklahoma State wins the game, but that's just not their style this year. So I'm going to take the Jayhawks and 30 and a half points. It's all math. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. They haven't, yeah, they've, they've only scored over 31 points once this whole year to be favored by 31 seems a bit high. You're right. It's kind of like the, the aforementioned Clemson 14 point line against Syracuse. It's not really just about the opponent. It's about, you know, I don't think that the team has the firepower to cover that kind of line. So I'll take it, you know, if they win 42, nothing, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but um, you know, the performance so far seems to, it seems like this line is off to me. How many chances do you get to realistically bet Kansas and not feel like you're just shredding money? Like, I know. I don't know if I can watch. You got to take a chance. Yeah. This might be the only chance to bet Kansas all year or for the next, you know, 13 years till, uh, they go back to the orange bowl randomly in like 2041. I like it. Those are my picks. Anything else you guys? No, I think that's it. Maybe the last game of the night, Washington at Stanford, Washington's fucking awful. And, uh, I'll take Stanford minus two and a half at home to beat Washington. But, uh, that's really it for college football this week. Um, I mean, I know I, there's not really a great line on this one, but, um, Dan, your Texas horns play your Baylor bears, your two favorite teams of the past five years. I know. Um, I'll probably just take an over. I don't think the Texas defense can really stop anybody. Um, hard to say, really hard to say. Oh, um, unrelated note. And please tell me how this is possible. LSU is off this week, but they had to cancel practice today because Orgeron said that they did not have enough healthy players to hold a practice. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's about 110 players on the LSU team. I don't believe that like 70 of them are out with injury. Sounds like that LSU team might be packing it in for the rest of the year. Uh, Note to self, they play at Alabama next week. Whatever the line is, as soon as they release it on Alabama, just go ahead and lay it. I don't care if it's 34, 17, 22, 29, bet it. It's going to go up seven more points by the time the game kicks. I think the whole team's just going to go transfer portal and opt out and no one's going to care. It's not going to be good. But anyway, yeah. Cancel practice, not enough players, not because of COVID nothing to do with COVID. I was going to ask you that because we know that LSU's whole team got COVID last off season. So they must have natural immunity. 
nothing to do with COVID, just straight too many injuries, canceled practice. Figure that one out. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a little rainy and wet and the, you know, it's slippery conditions and, you know, 72 guys go down with ankle sprains. It happens. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that's it for college football. What, what else have we been uh, chatting about in our, in our text message group this past week? I can't really remember. See, the problem is I record the show on my phone, so I can't scroll back and look at our Twitter conversations or anything like that. I mean, I can look, you know, I've promised a review of the new fuel album, but I'm not ready to do that this week. (laughs) By the way, um, I still follow the lead singer of Eve six. He says that he's going to be recording with the remaining members of smash mouth in the studio. And I think he's serious about it. I I don't, I can't can't tell if that's a joke or not. Me neither. But, if that's true, it's it's like the most like weird, like I don't know, making fun of yourself troll job. I don't know. It's just it's very it's very bizarre. But be on the lookout for that. The one thing I know you had thoughts on was uh, young freshman wide receiver at Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> Why is he called Junior? I've never heard of. Uh anyone else named Marvin Harrison. He's his name's been kind of scrubbed from the NFL lore. Yeah. I had Googled it and there's no Marvison Marvin Harrison senior, but I was talking to a guy behind the yellow store on Hiawatha Boulevard in Syracuse. <laughs> and he told me about a, an urban legend of a guy named Marvin Harrison who played in the late nineties along. It must've been, uh, must've been around the time of Donovan McNabb or, you know, I don't remember that. I remember McNabb, throwing the ball into the ground five feet away. I remember Marvin Graves um, doing ads to wear a bike helmet, but I don't remember anyone named Harrison. But, uh, you know, they tell me that there was somebody who may have played on Syracuse by that name. So he probably, you know, he probably had a couple good years and then went to work for Fusillo Hyundai or something. Mm -hmm. That's funny, Tom. Yeah. Um, all right, All right Tom, I don't think I got anything else. You got anything to talk about? No, I think that's enough for one week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Get ready for uh, Steve Adazio, Coach's Restaurant, next week. The thing we've been training for our whole life. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween.